Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Welcome to the ITAM Review Radio Show for May 2020. We're recording this on Friday the 22nd of May. Welcome everyone. Good morning. Good afternoon everyone. Hello. Hey guys. G'day. <laughs> G'day, Ripper. Yeah. Um, I'd like to start with a bit of industry news. This is in the register. Welcome to the Scaremongering of the Week. I think we, we all knew this was coming. I'm just quite surprised at how quickly this has come about. So basically, uh, I'll, I'll just read the headline from the, the register. Post-pandemic hard sell is underway. Resellers leaned on to convert free trial users into fully paid up customers. So... This refers specifically to Microsoft and Office 365. Microsoft came out with this great gesture of free Office to help people during the pandemic. And um, they're now being incentivized by Ingram. There's no such thing as a free lunch, is there? No. And the pandemic hasn't even really sorted itself out or finished yet, and they're already trying to... Still in lockdown. And yeah. It's to pay. Yeah. They're still trying to convert is people, it? I mean. You see the amount of organisations that have let go of loads of people recently as well. It's, yeah, it's annoying. Yeah, they do have a lot of power when it comes to these types of things. I mm. think you know there aren't that many distributors. They've got lots of bars and those that go into them. Uh, mm. I'm not, I'm not surprised that one of them has come out to actually start to try and do that. But what was it? Microsoft gave everyone six months, you know, which seemed to be actually quite a nice time period, you know. And well, we've only been in lockdown eleven weeks, you know. So incentivizing now seems to be an awful early thing to, to kind of say and start converting these. It makes you think: is is Ingram actually suffering with with actually getting money through the door? Have you seen the statement that um, that they Ingram uh, Micro released about it? They've called it the Microsoft Remote Working Work Rebate Program, which is defined as an extension of the promotional six-month free trial of flagship remote work solutions. And our um, Ingram Micro Cloud will award rebates to resellers for each trial subscription its customers retain as a paid yearly subscription. So, yes, it's a pure Ingram Micro thing, but it looks like nothing to do with Microsoft pushing people to convert you to a full paid license. But they're, they're acting on... They're, they're, as a distributor, they are Microsoft. They're acting as Microsoft's partner, selling this stuff, aren't they? You, you can't mm. you can't shift the blame purely to Ingram. <laughs> but I think this this is a this is quite a you know a reminder for everyone that's been scrambling to put all these remote working things in place that these things will have a deadline and yeah. um, need to be cognizant of when the, when those deadlines are and what we're going to do about it. Yeah, but we knew all and- that. Didn't we? We knew everything was going. All these free um, get you through the coronavirus was going to have a deadline. I just don't think any of us kind of assumed it'd be this soon. Martin, from Microsoft's point of view, don't you think it'd be a lot more strategic when it came out towards the six months that they would put the communication out to the channel, so it was saying that the people you've got on uh, the on the trial, uh, you know, there's a deal which is ten percent off. Uh, for, for those conversions, 
but then to do it uh, all the, uh, across the board. It seems it does seem as if Ingram have sort of like jumped in quick, whereas Microsoft would have potentially wanted things to be done a lot more strategically. Yeah. Well, what happens in six months' time? Microsoft may well have said, well, we're going to extend it for another six months because coronavirus is going through phase two. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Awfully early, you know, without knowing what Microsoft's grand goal was going to be, you know. I think people probably would have been happy to retain it after a year. Do you know what I mean? So, moving on to uh, Jargon Buster. Like, Jargon Buster. (laughs) Jargon Buster! So target target operating model. Uh, who, who wants to have a go at this? What what is a target operating model via the medium of cake? Uh, so a target operating model is where you have the different components of a couple of different cakes, and you cut them up and you put them together into ideally because this is this is. In the ideal world, as a target, you're cutting them up and putting them together into the beautiful checkerboard of a Battenberg cake. So you've got your, so for those who don't know, a Battenberg cake is where you have vanilla and strawberry sponge and you cut it into square, you cut it into long, long elongated cubes and you put it together into a checkerboard shape, so just four, four squares into a checkerboard shape. And then you sort of stick it together with jam and then you wrap it up in a very all four sides of the square into a very neat uh, package with icing. So the four the four bits of the checkerboard are your processes, your people, your tools and your partners. The jam is all the data and information and the icing that is holding it all together is the governance. And those are the elements of your target operating model that you need to consider when you're pulling one together. And it's a beautifully neat Battenberg because, of course, you get it right and you do not end up with an eaten mess, which is what most companies end up with, let's face it. I suppose you can say that. I mean, Martin, I think you need to have a picture of Battenberg cake when you publish this on, on yes. this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> um, just, just to make it nice and clear. Um, <laughs> But you, you're kind of already at eating mess when you start with it and you, you, you're, you're trying to get to that Bamberg and that's, that's mm. the elements exactly that you said there. Mm. And quite often what you find out actually you've become a Black Forest Gatto. Um, so in what way is it, and how do you convert your strawberry Battenberg to a cherry Black Forest ghetto, Danny? And, I'm just, and that's I'm because, just curious. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's because when we look at target operating, this is, this is like the nirvana. This is how we actually want to operate going forward. And we need to keep that in the front part of our mind at all times, whenever we make any sort of decision, does it meet our target operating model? And if it doesn't, we shouldn't be doing it. But too often, or not, we end up doing it, at which point... It's like throwing in, you know, cherries into the cake when actually you didn't want to put cherries into cake. You would your target operating model was to put strawberries in there for your mm. strawberry part of your sponge, unless you end up with this, you know, cherry black forest gatto because you compromised it rather than mm-hmm. actually saying, No, this is what we need to do. And I, I feel that a lot end up failing become, as you said, become the eating mess. Whereas actually I think you probably start as the eating mess, you want to be the battenberg, and you end up being a black forest gatto. If you don't keep that at the forefront of your mind, if you're not actually always making your decision based upon that Nevada of, of what that uh, target operating model is. I'm hungry now. 
I like that. Like I like that actually, Danny. I think that really works because I, I, I mean, I do. I help organisations work out what their target operating model looks like. As that's what I do, yeah. and the nice thing about having somebody external come in and work it through with you is that you end up with a document that has. If not, for, it doesn't even need formal approval. I mean, it's great if your sponsor says, okay, I've, for, I've, I've uh, approved this target operating model. This is where you guys need to be in, in two years' time. Um, but even if they don't, because you've done it with engaging all the stakeholders and you've discussed things and you're thinking about how SAM works with the entire organisation rather than thinking about how SAM works in, in isolation, uh, you can you've got this tacit approval that this is where we're going, and so you need to be waiving this document. And when people say, "Well, I don't want to do that," or, or you know, we don't want to pri- we don't want to prioritize this change, you, you say, "Look, w- this is where we need to get to for Sam, and you need to make that change because we need that change to happen in order to allow us to get to get there." Yeah. So, and it, it should be aligned that target operating model to the general target operating model of the organization so Absolutely. that you can use that to reinforce why you're making those decisions and anything mm-hmm. that goes against that decision should really not happen mm-hmm. it, it is throwing those extra yeah or oh, i don't have any flour do you know what i'll use chalk well that ain't going to make your cake any nicer so <laughs> you know, even though it's white and, and can be crumbly do you know what i mean so it, it's just not the same thing so how do you guys start building your Tom? You do need to think, so, so talking to people, but talking to people around very specific areas. And the the concept of an operating model is not, it, it, you know, it's a business concept in the sense that businesses have an operating model. They have a way that, it, that they work. And so what you do is you think about, well, what are the different elements that I have to arrange in a particular way to make something work. And when we're talking about ITAM, not just SAM, but ITAM, you're right, um, we sort of start pulling on what people think, the the, frame, the, ten, the general, general IT framework of a target operating model, which traditionally is very much people, processes, tools and partners. And then because we're a, we're a management system, we need to have that governance wrap. So I, I usually include a fifth element in my operating models, which is governance. And then because we're so much about data and information, again, I include data and information as a sixth element in my operating model. So, and if you start talking to people about, and just structure conversations in that way, and you might not need to talk through all six elements of the model with absolutely everybody, but you do need to make sure when you're engaging everybody that you are thinking about, well, what role do these stakeholders play in each of these six different elements? What do they need to be, what do they need to be playing in order for SAM to work? And then helping them understand what the roadmap looks like for them to move from where they are now and how they function now in terms of the broader software asset management system to where they need to be in future so that they're supporting what we want our operating model to look like what we want our SAM system to look like in the future. So, so the thing about a target operating model is it's the target. The operating model is how you actually are working now. And by the time you get to two years' time, when it, which is when you wanted to be in your target operating model, 
you're going to be in an operating model and then you've got to think about, well, where do I want to be in another two years' time? What's my future, Tom? That it, journey. In, in that case, is it not just a fancy word for vision? It's the next level down from vision. Yeah, vision is like a one sentence that says, this is where, what we want to do. Um, mm. The target operating model is how do you actually reach that vision? You know, what, what are the components that I need to put in place to reach the vision? And then each area will then have its own target okay. operating model in order it, to reach the, the company operating room. It reminds, yes. me, it reminds me of um, when we've done work in the IT service management space in, in, in the past, that you have, mm. you'll meet um, ITIL zealots who have swallowed all five books or whatever, <laughs> however many books there is now, two, three books now, isn't it, or something. And you have to follow the scripture according to ITIL. And it sounds like the target operating model is this is what best practice looks like specifically for this company, and this is what we're yes. going to be looking like. Is that is that my is that a correct interpretation? Yeah. So it's tailored for this company, but I think we, we're not we're missing the importance of the level of detail. So if you go into if you go into an organisation and start talking to people about the minute detail of the change that needs to happen in order to get where you want to go, you get it's like following an ant trail. Your head is down. All you can see is the tiny little bit that's within your circle of vision. And so you're not quite sure whether you're going in the right direction or not. Plus, you're getting bogged down in the details. You're, you're trying to clamber over a, a grass stalk because it's in your way. And, you may, and it's making it, it's, it's really difficult getting over the grass stalk. Your strategy lifts you right up to the 40,000 feet where you're jumping out of an aeroplane and gives you that really broad landscape view. So you can say to people, okay, you know, there's a field over here, there's a town over there. This is this is what this really high level broad landscape view is. And if you're a senior manager, that's what you want to be understanding. The target operating model is the next level down. And it's that level that says, okay, let's let's just provide an additional level of detail, a bit more of a of a high level understanding, but that's targeted at these particular elements of our operating model but if you start at the top and work your way down the level of detail then you don't get bogged down in the detail you're communicating to people the changes you want to make and why and it just makes the whole thing easier for people to actually drive change and i think i think too the benefit of having some sort of operating model is that it it, it starts to shape and form your comms plan as well mm -hmm. so Previously, I've seen too many SAM engagements. The, the SAM engagement, you know, is wholly rooted around installing and configuring a SAM suite, of which, uh, you know, is, is a sizable chunk, you know, from a from a starting position. Um, but over time, people aren't going to be so fussed about the number of agents you've rolled out. They're not going to be so fussed about the database at the back end of the SAM suite and its performance. They want to actually see the data that the SAM suite can generate and data too that's supports their higher business goals too. So I think that's another thing that we need to need to stress as well. Your strategy feeds to your operation and your operation should feed to the data and the data should feed back as well. So if you've got a, if you've got a goal of say um, a competitive advantage, you need to be sort of looking at the um, how the operating model filters that those processes that you might have underneath your uh, um, your operations plan to to represent that to senior management, what does competitive advantage look like from a SAM perspective through the target operating model? Mm, yeah. 
How do you use the target operating model in context with a business plan or a roadmap or and what audience does it have? Can you put it in context of the other things that you might present to the CEO or whoever else is signing off the whole project? Okay, so a strategy will go to your CIO probably. Your target operating model will go to the leadership team because your target operating model is starting to dig down into the detail of what do the architects need to do, what do what do the service management people need to do, what do the procurement team need to be doing. Um, then your SAM plan, so your next level of detail, will probably go to your own line manager. So, you know, and, and you'll be saying, right, we need to be doing X, Y, and Z and, and starting to look to build out what looks is starting to look more like a project plan. Danny, um, Danny, are you, are you, do you resonate with some of this? You put a business plan in, presumably, to the, to the boss to yep. say, this is what I'm going to do, this is how I'm going to change things. Was a target operating model within that? Yes, so that's part of the strategy document. You know, the target operating model. What is that we want to get to at the end point? Uh, you know, either in a, a three-year time frame, uh, and then all of the business uh, decisions that we need to make in order to go and get to that part. You know, how we how we how we actually going to get there? Um, and then from that, we break it down a bit further and it becomes little mini projects on, you know, okay, so we need to go and get the tooling in place and what tooling are we going to do and how are we going to pick that tooling? How does that match to the overall business target operating model? So we, we chose our tooling based upon what the organization is doing, not always what would have been probably the best tool for, for Sam. I had to, to, we had to balance it up between what is as an organization we wanted and what Sam needed to achieve in relation to its target operating model. And so to give a little, a little bit of context on that is, you know, um, we, we have uh, a large uh, part of the organization. In fact, all the organization is investing in a particular tool that tool has a SAM capability, which isn't quite as mature as it should be, but is getting there. Um, at which point, so we decided to use SAM within that tool, um, knowing that it may be 18 months until we get the full value from that tool. But that still meets with our target operating model because our target operating model is two to three years down the road. Well, it's about two years now. We're about a year into it. So yeah, it's about two years left to get to that end target operating model. Um, and we're implementing that. Uh, also, how the team ends up looking. How are we actually going to operate SAM uh, for ourselves? Um, also, what's SAM going to be responsible for? Is it just going to be responsible for software or is actually is it going to be transformed into a more of a full item role and start doing hardware asset management? As part of the target operating model is to actually look after the whole of ITAM uh, because we don't feel that we should just be concentrating on just SAM. It's, um, but it was... Kind of could say that we had kind of two target operating models. One, if, if we were to go to a full item model, and one if we weren't able to get that buy-in. Uh, we've been able to get a lot of that buy-in, unless the SAM team is responsible for the CMDB, is responsible for service mapping now, and, and we're starting to get into lots of these little areas that actually really uh, provide a lot of value to the organization, not just through SAM, but also through HAM as well. And so we're, we're moving down those tracks the same way as what Callie's kind of saying is once you build all of those and you, you know, you've got your Battenberg cake and now we're kind of bringing all of the recipe to Well, we're bringing all the ingredients together and then we have to actually follow the recipe to get us to the Battenberg cake. Hopefully we don't overcook it 
uh, or anything else, or undercook it. Don't want a soggy bottom or anything. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but basically, you know, about getting to that cake at the end, and you've got all of those elements that, that go into that. So it is kind of like that, that what would we like this to look like and how are we going to get there? Um, and as Kelly said, that, that takes a lot of time and thought in order to, to do that and takes a lot of stakeholder um, buy-in in order to help you progress each of those elements. I, I think that's an important point, Danny, about that stakeholder buy-in uh, and engagement. Because if you haven't got that, I mean, like with implementing um, ITAM, HAM, SAM, etc., as a whole, but trying to build that target operating model to hit all of your stakeholders' kind of requirements for the next few years for whatever you're trying to implement, um, to have their support and get them on board and get them along the journey with you is, is really important. Otherwise, kind of like what we're discussing for the podcast about processes just sitting on a shelf. A Tom could just sit on a self shelf gathering dust if it hasn't got the support it requires. The thing is, is Tom helps you get that support. If they actually see what it is that you're trying to get to and that they agree that actually that sounds like it makes sense and it aligns with where our business is trying to get to, then it's very easy to get them to go and buy in on that because because it's kind of looking at it from a 30,000 foot level. They kind of see that whole whole package and go, yeah, that's actually what I want at the end one. They've no idea just how bad that is at, right at the very beginning. But then when you start to take them on to bring all of those ingredients together, they become very much more involved in that to say yes, because they can see it tying into the target operating model. It becomes very easy to get them to back it up uh, from that. At least that's, that's what I've found in, in a number of organizations. Once you've got that target operating model, it becomes easier to get that the stakeholders to, to buy in. It allows you to escalate very easily because yeah. you go straight to the stakeholders, yeah. you go straight to the director and go, it's not meeting our target operating model, it's going to break it and we're not going to reach our endpoint and you're bought into that endpoint. So sort it out. Quickly. Yeah, they, they, they very quickly come down on those types of things because yeah. they're looking at it from the, the business target operating model and it plugs into that business target operating model. And if one piece, you know, Bit like your jigsaw if you if you haven't got all your pieces to it then your jigsaw doesn't look particularly good so mm. it's they look at it that way I, I just i just want to pick up on a word that you use then as well about talking about roles and responsibilities and it's it applies to the wider tom model too and it's that aspect of scope your yeah. your target operating model will have a specific reach and it may not be across all the company it may be a, a schism mm. of the, the it department or uh, you know certain departments or whatever so that's that's always one to watch out for if you there's an automatic assumption that samurai time is going to throw its arms around the it estate it may it may not catch all of it have you played with a uh, canvas for this sort of stuff kylie is that does yes. that work yeah no so um i can't remember who it was they do a target operating model canvas the thing is it's quite a business oriented one so and it talks about location which for sam is not so specific you know we don't care particularly where stuff is it's not a, a particular driver for or something that needs to be managed carefully for operating models in the same way that it would you know where are our factories located and where are they in relation to suppliers but it is really useful and I, um there's some stuff on youtube about creating operating model canvases that is uh that are quite that is interesting to watch Job Job of the week. Week. So software asset manager at Metro Bank in Holborn. Seems like it's quite popular. It's got quite a few applicants. £62,000 as advertised in central London. I don't know if that's good or bad. Um, low. 
Could you develop our software? I don't think 62 is bad, but it's for, for Holborn, you'd want a bit more than that, wouldn't you? Hmm. And the bank. Well, the thing is, it says it starts from that. So it doesn't say that's the limiting factor. It doesn't say that's all they're going to give you. Depending on your level of experience. Yeah, from 62. So it could well be 100,000. Yeah, no, that's very true, Danny. Yeah, it's starting from, isn't it? I wonder how they actually do that based on your level of experience. Does that mean, okay, if you've been doing SAM for two years, you're going to get that. If you've been doing it for five years, we've got another bracket for you. And if you've been doing it for 10 plus years, we've got a high, high bracket for you. Now that's called negotiation, Dave. Exactly. What what, what, <laughs> what I'm saying is £62,000 and then negotiate like hell up. Yeah. Um, what are you on now? What do you want? Yeah. So, you know, I would say probably starts at 62000 And as a start, I actually don't think that's a bad that's a bad shout at all. What I'd also be doing as well, if you do want to negotiate, is have a look at the job spec and look at what they want you to do and then say, on top of that, I'm going to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And that's how you drive your negotiation up as well. Speaking of the job spec, it's a very short one. We've had much longer ones um, for job of the week. There's only kind of, so what will you be doing is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine bullet points. That's good. Because Very broad. the ones that end up having 500 bullet points are the ones that are impossible to end up delivering. Yeah, but at the same time, then, you, you may not fully know what you're getting yourself in for. No, but then you can negotiate out more money. <laughs> it's not all <laughs> that, about the money, what you told me that, yeah, that wasn't what you told me you was doing, Karen. Yeah, let's renegotiate. Do you think this is, based on what we can see here, do you think this is uh, managing a team? Do you think this is a new role with a new practice? Or what, what do you think? Well, I'm looking at it, and it doesn't say that you're going to be working as part of a team, does it? No. No so, reference to teams whatsoever, or yeah, leading or managing. It's purely the, the software side of things, isn't it? There's no... People yeah. about the only bit there that says that you there could be more than one is as a software asset manager rather than as this software asset manager yeah and it freaks me out slightly actually if you read on from that sentence then as well because it says you will look after how we procure deploy maintain utilize and decommission and Which it's like you're doing procurement you're doing purchasing buying you, you could be doing packages. all sorts <laughs> you running around with dvds and god knows what yeah. yeah you better learn how to build those software packages yeah yeah, deploy the software, maintain it, utilize it, upgrade it, yeah, put packages on. You are now our SCCM guru. Yeah. I just Googled, I've seen that just Googled uh, in 2017, so that's what's that, three years out of date, uh, Metro Bank had 2,800 employees. So even if they've grown really aggressively, this is quite a small, in fact, it does say on the LinkedIn profile, doesn't it? 1,000 1, to 5,000 employees. Yeah. So it's quite a, quite a small bank, but I think if you, even if you are on your own here, you could get your foot in the door in financial services and jump. Financial on. services tend to be really complex. So yeah. even though a small user base can have an extremely complex server estate, etc., yeah. because of the things that they end up having to run. So and, it and very high be, risk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very regulatory, very documentation led. You know, there's there's a whole load of things in there that end up being good. I, I do like the one thing: uh, if you're a contractor, don't bother trying to go for this role, um, because this is that, that one sentence we get nervous as someone has jumped from job to job as one people who are prepared to learn and grow. So, yeah, if you're a person who moves around a lot, 
the, that may count against you in this particular role. Um, but otherwise, the, the, what would you be doing doesn't actually say very much at all. No. Although you mentioned about the size of the organisation, it does say in the job spec about um, experience of managing supplier contracts with values up to £50 million. I'm guessing for an organisation of that size, you wouldn't have one single contract of that much, would you? That's huge. Good. No, no, you, easily. Mainframe, stuff like that. You know, you can... Don't forget, Dave, you know, there's organizations in the FTSE that have only got three or 400 people but have thousands of servers. Um, oh, yeah, so, true. You know, it, it's not always based upon the number of people within your organization, but the complexity of the data center estate. Yeah, okay, and so you customer-facing stuff. Yeah, it? you could have a bunch of Oracle servers. You could have SAP. In fact, you could have Oracle EBS, and that could cost you 20 to 30 million pound a year on that alone. Do you know what I mean? So but, but isn't, it really depends. Isn't Metro Bank a really new bank? Like a, a startup, so it was. It was started by a billionaire, wasn't it, over in the states? So, so why, um, if you're going to start a bank, why would you buy my mainframe? I mean, please tell me they started from scratch. And they didn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was just giving you an example of you can easily have stuff over fifty million, but yeah, I wouldn't have thought these guys just have mainframe. No one wants mainframe. You do, anymore. you do the whole lot open source, don't you? No, oh, yeah, twenty ten. They're only ten years old. If you're going to start from scratch, you wouldn't do. Oracle data. Not, 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 they, they probably do have a lot of Oracle. They probably do have a lot of the, the, the typical ones. And one of the reasons why they may end up doing that is support. Yeah. With open source software, you don't get support. And that makes them very, very nervous um, when it comes to breaches. Re uh, they get a breach and they're not able to show that they've had appropriate support and everything else. They end up getting hammered really, really badly. So they prefer to buy the software than actually have freeware software yeah, for some of those reasons. They've got somebody to shout at. Yeah, it's risk. Exactly. I, th I think it's a good opportunity. It's, it's a growing company. and It's new. Get your foot in the yeah. door. And you're in central London in a bank. It might be a small bank, but you're in a bank. And, uh, yeah, good good things could happen. I, I, I like the look of it. I, I, I like it purely because it is only 10 years old. You know, so you, yeah. a lot of legacy stuff, you know, I what they can't do is turn around and go, well, do you know what? We've done this for 40 or 50 years. Since 1976, you know, we put this system in. Do you know what I mean? There's none of that. So anything you've got. You know, there's none of this, oh, do you know what, I'm running Adobe Reader version 3, 4, 7, 9, 11, 17, 19. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. None of that. It's You're literally, you'll be lucky if you've got two versions of anything out there. Okay. With that, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. That was a radio show. Have a great month. Uh, hopefully, I'll see you outside of lockdown and enjoy the sunshine. Yep. See you next Thanks month. All. Cheers, Thanks, everyone. Guys. All the best. Bye. 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 Bye.